the Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Dave Gillam is my special guest taking all your calls on everything from compost bins, tomatoes and shrubs. We've also got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Carol in Rayleigh. Good morning, Ken. What are you um, talking about I'd, today? Um, well, I'd like to ask you, have you come across these hot uh, compost bins? Um, I've got a small garden. I've tried all different types of, you know, the whirly... Um, Oh, the roller ones, the roller, roller one, and that was unsuccessful with rats got I, in it. No, I'd agree you with know. you with the roller ones. I don't like those. Yeah, <laughs> and it became too heavy to manoeuvre. Uh, we've also tried just an ordinary sort of compost bin, and I've been looking into the hot bin. Now, I've read all the blurb, but I just wondered, have you come across them? Are they any good? Well, I personally haven't, and Dave's no. nodding, and he hasn't either. So neither <laughs> of us have come. Right. Now you tell us more. So, what? Why are they called a hot bin? Because well, basically, the whole I, point. The I whole point. To ask you. Well, the whole point of a compost uh, bin yeah. is that it yeah. heats up, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, they heat up themselves. Um, I think sometimes rats is always a hard thing to deal with because, in yeah. an ideal world, your bin is in contact with the ground. And yeah. invariably, we end up putting food waste and things like that in there, which is great for compost. You need to put food waste, shredded newspaper for carbon, different things yeah. to build up a good compost. But it, it will rats encourage rats. It. Um, you can you can do it in a those old blue drums, you know, that, that you can pick up. They were, I think... Blue plastic drums. drums yes, yeah. it. Yeah. You can do it in those, as long as you drill holes in so there is drainage. Mm. And then that will give you something that is sealed... If you can find some worms to go in there as well, the rats will struggle to get in there. Um, but the, the thing about composting is about putting the right stuff in, keeping it moist, keeping it turned so the air's there, and, and allowing it to build up a temperature. I've not heard of the one that you're and what, talking about. But what is his actual name, Carol? Well, it, it is called uh, the hot bit, or it's called a hot composter. And they say it's... Um, Double lined, I think. So you've got like a um, a lining in it that will actually hold the heat. But I I wonder, being a hot one, whether you know, is it run off electric or is it just the fact that you know the compost is heating itself? I don't know. It's it sounds to me like it's just insulated. So you've got a yeah. twin wall because often in in the winter when when it is cold, compost doesn't compost so quick because yeah. the ambient yeah. temperature is, isn't high enough. Um, so it looks sounds like just a, a way of of maintaining or keeping in the the heat that the compost makes inside. Yeah. I mean they um, are rather. I mean they're rather expensive. Yeah. They're nearly two hundred quid. And I wondered, you know, is it worth investing in something that I'm not really sure about? I I think for for two hundred pound, I'd just um, <clears throat> wait a bit longer for my compost and uh, just make sure I put the right bits in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, if anybody, you, yes, you know, if anybody it, has tried a, they're called the hot bin composter. Yeah, yeah. Why not give us a call on 0800 111 and you can help Carol by giving her a bit of sound advice on what uh, 
how how she how the, you're getting on with it and perhaps help Carol and others thinking about getting one. Carol, thank you very much for that. And we now go to Fred in Herring. Hello, Fred. Hello, John. Hello, Ken. And what, you want to talk tomatoes? What, are I you... said, yeah, what I want you to know, Ken, is if you have a tomato that doesn't split, I'm always getting tomato plants because I grow about 200 a year, and I always find out that a lot of them are splitting all the time. It's actually how you grow them, isn't it? Yeah. It's is not it? re- Yeah. It's what pure, do you think, Dave? It's generally, it's conditional, so any uh, variant or... or extreme from dry to wet or hot to cold and so on it's about pure consistency of keeping the moisture level consistent the temperature consistent it's they're splitting because they're having a growth spurt and and the skin doesn't grow quicker than the inside are you growing them in small um small containers or are you growing them in the ground where are you growing that's what i think probably the trouble might be because i grow them in containers and i want to Put them in the ground this year. Yeah, there's more of a problem in the container, isn't there? Because is. you're watering. Yeah, and, and the roots heat up quick, and then you water a load, and then they dry out quick. In the ground, will give you a more consistent sort of range of temperature and moisture. Oh, um, good. Two hundred tomato plants is a lot of tomato plants, eh? What do you do with all the tomatoes? <laughs> Pardon? What do you do with all the tomatoes? Boot sale. Ah, right. Ah. Ah. That's good. a look. A lot of tomatoes. Good yeah, what, I grow a lot of tomatoes, yeah. Out, of, yeah. out of interest then, just for other people, what sort of varieties do you grow? Do you grow any of the ones that are uh, supposed to be bright, blight-free as well? I grow, I grow uh, Alicanda yeah. and uh, Gardener's Delight. They're the two you stick to. Yeah. Do, you get, do you get blight at all where you are? No. Oh, no, they're all right. It's just, it's just that they, they split, you know, they've seen a split because I think... I think because I've been growing them in these containers all the time. Yeah, it will help. I mean, it is hard work. Sometimes either that or irrigation systems where they're dripping a little bit now and again. Tend that to could be, be worth a try because that's, that's not you try. can run those off a hose very easily and they're not expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Here's oh, a right. thought for you. All right, Fred. Well, some say my broad beans are coming up lovely. Good, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're about four or five inches high now. Good. good. Well, you can always pinch them out. Do you pinch them out? No, not yet. Oh, not yet. Okay, I'll <laughs> leave you to it. I won't tell you when. Fred in Herringate, they are asking about tomatoes, and uh, I think it sounds like the containers are the yeah. problem, especially last year with all that sun. Yeah, too hot. Colin from Leon C. Hello, Colin. What shrub, are, what shrub are we talking about with yourself? Uh, lady said it was, I think, it was a cornus, a, a flaming something or other. Yes, flavoret. Yeah, oh. is it a midwinter, not midwinter fire? I'm sorry, I can't remember. <laughs> Is it a bright coloured one? Bright stems. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sounds yeah, like my granddaughter lives near Chester. She's just bought a house. And yep. there's a house at the other end of my road. It's got one of these in its front garden. So mm-hmm. I thought it would look just nice in a corner. She's got a spare space in her front garden. So I knocked at the door. The lady come out and I explained what it was. And she insisted she went out the back and come back with a cutting. She's got a small one in a pot and she insisted I took it. <laughs> and nice. not only that, she, she gave me a card and wished for the granddaughter to wish to be very happy in her new house. Oh, isn't that? That's a nice touch <laughs> indeed. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, um, but what it, I want to know is when yep. should I plant it and do I have to do anything to the ground? Right. How, how big a plant is it? Uh, now, the, the tallest stem is, about, is, is nearly two foot. All oh, right. It's in a 10-inch pot, and there's three smaller twigs coming up. 
Yeah, that sounds fine. I mean, that's 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 good to go. I, I would just plant it now, get it in the yeah. ground. Yeah, no right. reason why not. Oh, well, I thought with the bad weather. Well, no. the pot will freeze where when it's in the ground, oh, no, only no, the top the pot, will freeze. The in the conservatory. I, I mean, she, <laughs> oh. she lives near Chester. I'll have to take it up, you know. Yeah, when, I wouldn't worry got... about keeping it indoors. They're hardy and, oh, and tough. Right. But, um, now, you know, planting plants this time of year is absolutely fine and tends to, you know, in most cases, be better than keep it's, maintaining them. You shouldn't actually keep it in the conservatory. You'd be better outside. Oh, thank you. So pop it outside and then get it in the ground. Preparation, just a bit of compost bit of in compost, the ground. Dig bit of the compost meal. into the ground. Yeah, just don't... People tend to dig a hole, fill it up with compost and then plant the plant. And, and it's a bit like getting out of bed in the morning when it's cold. You don't want to get out the duvet. And quite often the plants don't want to grow from that nice compost into the, the normal soil. So always mix it with what you've dug out and backfill. Right. Okay. Okay, well, thank you very much for your help. Oh, uh, good luck. And with, oh, just one, are you still there, Colin? Yes. One more point with that one. Midwinter fire, you don't cut it as hard back as some of the other no, corners. No. If it's got three colours on the stem, it's probably midwinter fire. If it's one colour, it would be one of the other cornices, and you can give that a good chop back, uh, probably it, end of Feb. It, it grows quite big, and I say, she's going to put it, oh, well, I'm going to put it in a space where there was a dead pear tree behind yeah. the garage. Okay. It does sound like one of the normal ones, actually. Yeah. So you can cut those back after late spring and then it will grow new growth, which will give you that lovely colour next year. OK, Colin? Thank you very much for your help. Time now to look at Plant of the Week. And I'm looking today at Acacia delbata or silver wattle. And when in flower, it's called mimosa. It's an evergreen. It's a native to Australia. It uh, can be kept as a large shrub or even a hedge, but in theory, it is not hardy. Our climate, because it's changed a lot, we're growing a lot more in this country than we used to. But it was naturalised on the Black Sea coast of Russia. It's seen in Africa, Portugal, Greece, Israel, Morocco, and even the highlands of southern India. I always uh, remember my mum. It was my mum's favourite plant and flower because I think my dad uh, took her on her honeymoon at that time of the year when it was flowering down to the south of France and that's why she, she has always found it one of her favourite flowers. Anyway, it won't put up with very low temperatures which is why it's quite at risk in the UK. The leaves are greeny-grey uh, which is quite interesting. Uh, they're quite frondy as well. They're frondy. Um, and the flower heads come out from, from the leaves and they can have flowers, anything from 13 up to 40 of these very small little round yellow heads. Uh, often used as a cut flower, and not to forget that the uh, flowers are also used as an essence for perfume. And believe it or not, in India, the leaves are used in chutney. The tree can live for 30-odd years. Um, I forgot to mention the fruit. It's a sort of flat bob with several seeds and can be grown from seed quite easily. In fact, if you have one in your garden and it drops seeds, it will actually produce little trees underneath the original tree. The timber in other parts of the world, not particularly in England because it's not grown that much, the timber is a lovely honey-coloured and it's used in sort of craft, craft furniture and things like that. 
Where do you grow it? Well, I'll tell you what, we talked about where it comes from. So it likes full sun, south-facing, well-drained, sandy loams. So it might not be too good in Essex where it's got heavy clay, but I've seen some very successful ones growing here in Essex. And in fact, when the hard winter of the back in the 70s killed several, they sprouted from the base again. When do you prune them? Late spring after the flowering. So they are. If you want something that can grow quite big, if you let it grow really huge, it'll grow 30 foot as a tree. But keep it well pruned. You can keep it as a lovely, colourful bush. So now, plant one. That's Acacia delbata, silver wattle, or even mimosa. We go straight to George from Basildon, who I promised to talk to. And George, we're talking about gelder, a large gelder rose. Is it growing in your garden, George? It is indeed, yes. Um, it's got to over 15 feet in height and 15 feet across. I'd like to know if I can cut it down in height and thin it out a little now. <laughs> That's quite a plant, isn't it? Um, yes, you can. I mean, it, it's uh, Viburnum opulus is, is what you've got, um, and they are mm -hmm. a big shrub. Um, two ways you can deal with it. I would personally, if it's that old, get in there and just take out anything that is particularly old. So you thin the plant out and then reduce uh -huh. back some of the, the, more, the newer growth um, rather than just sort of setting to it with a saw and chopping it too hard back. That's fine. And it's... it's sorry, sorry. I was just going to say, uh, me, me jumping in is uh, <laughs> I've uh, looked after a garden this, year, this winter that had some that were, I think, nine and a half foot high. Mm. And they mm -hmm. had trunks on them that were about uh, two or three, three inches across. And in fact, what I've done is cut some of them very hard back. Yeah. But what it produces is lots of thin growth, doesn't it? Yeah, it's yes. very... So you have to be selective, don't you? Yeah, I, I, I tend to take, you know, if you look some at a plant, out. take a percentage out, a third out of the oldest, and then just yeah. prune the rest, and then you get a bit of balance. And then it do will, the same the next year. That's it, yeah. So rotate it, and you'll yeah. be able to maintain it probably around about a six to seven foot shrub. Um, which by, is where by it doing that, be. Which is where it wants to be, really. Is that any help, George? Well, yeah, the trunk on this one is actually about eight or nine inches across. Yeah, at the base. Yeah, don't cut it, don't cut it that far down. <laughs> it won't like it. It won't be happy. <laughs> oh, no, but, no. but from that, you'll have branches that are most likely about two or three inches, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. They're the ones that you can cut a few of off or down. Yeah. Down, reduce them. And it will shoot from, from pro those. probably those and some of the biggest stems. It will shoot from old wood. Um, and it's just yeah. keeping filling it out because the more you prune, the more stems you get and it could get a bit congested. So it's just about keeping the balance, really. Yeah, and that's lovely. My, my other concern is, is it any danger to the foundations of the house? No, it's, no, it's not massive. Most shrubs still only have fibrous roots and it's not them that are, are really problems to foundations. It's the big roots that are going in there and taking the moisture out. Oh, lovely. Yeah, this was bought actually as a bare root, so it's really shot up. <laughs> it's done the job, yeah. They are a vigorous yeah. grower and... Um, they make a good hedge, don't they? Yeah, you know, in yeah. the hedging and so on. And they're one of the more original... Um, they were around in Victorian times. Yes, yeah. as a, as a As a viburnum in Victorian times, so they're quite a traditional uh -huh. plant. OK, George? Perfect. Yeah, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. OK, thank you for your call. That's George from Basildon, and we now go to Shirley Ann from Chelmsford. Hello, Shirley. Good morning, my dear. <laughs> I have a big problem. Uh -huh. It's about uh, 20 foot high. Yep. And it's about uh, probably about 30 foot 
long. That's my next door neighbour's bamboo. <laughs> and not content with filling up their garden, it's coming into mine. Well, a few years ago, I did dig a big hole for a large patch that was in my garden. Um, and I, I was actually able to sit on the edge of the hole with my legs down into it and pull the blooming stuff up um, and managed to bury my my uh, glasses when I filled it back up. And Time they've capsule. never grown. They never come up. No. Um, but I can't get rid of it, and I'm no longer in a position where I can do that kind of digging because of arthritis. I've tried um, Roundup. It seems to like that. And... Um, <laughs> I've, I've put it on the, the leaves and I've also watered it in, but I've only got a tiny garden and it's full of really nice things. Um, but how the heck can I get rid of it? I was wondering if one of those flame torches might... No, no. Just, no I'm yeah. going to burn it. <laughs> can I, I'm going to jump back to your weed killer because mm. um, you, I'm going to be rude here. Did you read the instructions? Because you're saying you watered it on... I don't know where you... Yeah. Did you water it onto the plant? You're not thinking that the ground... You see, it's neutralised when it hits the ground as a weaker, and that's the good thing mm. about Roundup. Yeah. One mm. of the ways you can do it with Roundup is you cut the stem and then pop, pop it. There's a one the you hollow. can specifically buy for that. Is there still, or yeah, used to I'll, be? You paint it on. Well, you can what? you can get the gel, but I, I would suggest either using Roundup or some SBK is SBK a, might a work good better. one because you can use that on stumps and, and brushwood. But you probably your best bet really is how we deal with brambles in the hedges. We just cut them down low to about sort of six inches, and pretty mm. much paint SBK or or Roundup pretty much neat onto the cut. With bamboo, you've got a hollow stem and uh, yep. a small pipette or something like that, and actually put it down the hollow of the stem once you've cut it. It will should then kill that run off. Um, you're going to have to carry on doing it because it'll keep them coming back through from next door. But mm. it, at least it's not digging and, and you can deal with it bit by bit and you're not throwing weaker around, you know, trying Which to you cover leaves yeah. and everything else. It's probably the safest way of doing it. It won't okay. kill the plant next door necessarily. It'll only knock out that that stem and the root attached to it. Um, but you could probably maintain it better that way. Yeah, I mean, over the years I've I've gone round there. It's a let house, and um, you know nobody's caring much. And I chop it all down. Um, <laughs> it just grows again. It will just it grow again. again. Yeah, chopping it yeah. down, chopping it down isn't really the answer because it actually a lot of plants it's will grow more vigorously, and yeah. it's all underground. Um, you can buy membrane to try and stop it coming through, but it it's pretty. Yeah. F- if it's I've got just concrete gravel boards, and and yeah. I've put bits of slate down. <laughs> yeah, no, it just you know, through. it down I mean, as well. But it's, it's a thick membrane, up. and you have to dig a trench, yep. and you have to put it. It's, you know, it's a lot of lot of effort for for doing that. I would just try to treat them as you see them, and um, you probably be able to keep on top of it without doing too much, you know, manual work with it. I would like to say that for anybody that's thinking of bam- growing bamboo, please don't put it in a pot because it's not fair to. to plague your neighbours with it when they don't want the blooming stuff. It I don't know if anybody's a bit got invasive, a pet panda. Yeah. Perhaps <laughs> I could borrow the panda. Yeah, some are less invasive than others, aren't they, Dave? Yes, it's just picking the, it's picking the, the right Japon- ones. It's most like the japonica, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's very invasive. So keep keep going with the suggestions that Dave's given you, OK? 
I'll let you know. Thank you. That's Shirley Ann from Chelmsford. And now we go to uh, Betty from Romford. Hello, Betty. Hello. Uh, just to ask you about this indoor plant that I've got. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Dendroblum. Yeah, one of the orchids, yes. Oh, it's orchid, is it? Orchid family, yeah. Uh, yes. Um, I just wondered, they've been beautiful. White flowers all up and down. Anyway, they've now died off. I've pulled all the old flowers off. But do I? can I cut it down or do I just leave it? It's one of those you have to leave, isn't it? Yeah, it flowers off of the actual plant stem, doesn't it? Just off the joints as it goes up. Um, yes. It is one that really stem. Yeah, and yeah. Then there's all new new shoots coming out. That's fine. I would say leave it. Yeah, they're leave not it. they're not easy to get into a flower again. No. Those ones they're quite difficult, but I wouldn't give up. No, give it a bit of orchid feed as we go into spring. And I, I'd give it a go and see how you get. It's, but it's don't not cut like the off. others where the flowering stem is a, st a separate stem from the plant. That really, that they flower on the stem of the plant. So if you cut it back, you're cutting the plant back, opposed to just cutting the flowering stem back. I see. So just sort of keep it ticking along. Well, damp. Yeah. And yep. uh, just leave it. Do what you should do. Really, others just just give it a good drench, let it drain, and then leave it for a, you know a week or so, depending on the time of year. And then water it again, rather than don't daily water it. I see. All right. And you don't give it any um, orchid. No, I said give it orchid feed yeah. as we get farther towards spring. Wait, wait another month. Better okay. light levels, and then start to feed it as well. I see. Right. Thank you very much. Okay, that's a pleasure. And let us know how you get on, because they're not the easiest ones in the world to get back into flower. Shirley, you're down in sunny Clacton, aren't you, Shirley? Yes, I am. Well, there you go, you see. You'll be able to walk down the front soon, won't you? Uh, very, very windy today. <laughs> yeah, but get, get, blow the cobwebs out, won't it? <laughs> right, Shirley, what can we do for you today? Right, I've ordered some Noreen Baldinil. Good for you. From a, a well-known garden uh, centre in Guernsey. Oh, right. The bulb, right, the bulbs have been delivered, but what do I do because it's, not the time of the year or when should I plant them? Right. Well, it's funny, actually, because I think it was when you were in before, yeah, Dave, we wasn't it? About them, yeah. yeah, it was funny because we were talking about Nareens when Dave was in before, about four, three or yeah, four weeks ago. It turned out to be an emeryllis, I think. It was. It was. It was <laughs> I got it wrong. But <laughs> we were talking about Nareens and we were talking about how they're very underrated and, and, the, yeah. and because they turn up at the wrong time of the year to be planted. And, in fact, you know, they don't turn up when you expect them to be available. Yeah, so... So here we are. We've got Noreen's. Yes, they're on sale at the moment. Yeah. I know you've got some in your garden, yeah. then, haven't you? So yeah, and plant them. You plant know, them now. Get them in the ground. In an ideal world, to, for them to flower and flower freely, you plant them high in the soil, not like the normal where you plant it two to three times the, the height of the bulb in depth. Plant right. it so the nose, so the very tip of the bulb, is just, just pre you know, touching surface. So when the ground settles, they're there. They like to have the sun on them in the summer, which helps encourage the flowers because they flower very late. It's not like a, a spring flowering or even summer. They're flowering in the autumn. So you almost plant in 10 months in advance of, of flowering. Yeah, so would it be ideal to plant them now? Or oh, yeah, them? yeah, get them in the ground. In the ground, now, right now. Well, not right now. You can listen to the rest <laughs> yeah, of the programme and then do Wait it. till 12. Yeah. Right, and I've got lupins, dwarf, minaret mixed. 
when do I plant those? They're what? in uh, plugs. They're coming as a plug, yeah. So if they're, they're posted into they're it, they won't small. be big. So I, I would pop those into probably a five-inch pot or a three-inch pot, if you like, um, and just get them established as a, a bit of a bigger plant first and then pop them in the ground, you know, uh, April, May time as a, as a stronger should I, plant. Should I leave them in the pots in the conservatory or outside? This time of the year, you probably want to just give them a little bit of protection because they'll be yeah. very young plants um, and try don't overwater them when you first do it because they, they can sort of, they're susceptible to get a bit of root rot. So just pot them up, light watering, and just make a, a nice substantial looking plant that you can handle properly before you plant it. Right. Thank you very much indeed for your help. Right. That's a pleasure. Very, very, I listen to your programme every Saturday morning and your tips are excellent. Thank you very much indeed. That's Shirley. Shirley in Clacton-on-Sea. Sunny Clacton-on-Sea, but windy Clacton-on-Sea. <laughs> yes. Give us a call now on 0800 111 4041. That's 0800-111-4041. Or send us a message. Uh, another one coming from Tony in Church Langley. We'll deal with that in a moment. And that's on 8133. Start your message with the word Essex. Um, should we go? Yeah, I'll tell you who we'll talk to. We'll talk to Norman now. Hello, Norman from Bishop's Thortford. Hello. 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 Yeah, is it all right to prune fruit trees this time of year? Depends which <laughs> fruit trees you're trying to prune. You can prune... I've got apples, plums and pears. You can do your apples and pears, but you shouldn't do your plums. Right, two other parts of the question. Do you, where you prune them now, do you paint where you've cut them or not? No, that's so gone, out, gone out of favour at the moment. <laughs> I'll right, tell you what... In my gardening time, I reckon that's gone in and out of favour about three or four times, but we don't do it at the moment. It's been, it's been in fashion and out more often than flares. It has, hasn't it? Okay. Definitely. Where can I learn how to do it properly? Is there a good... I was going to go to a thing at the little college, but unfortunately I was in hospital when it was on. That's right. I think Tom Cole ran a couple of uh, fruit tree sessions. I think there was one last week and the week before, I think, he ran them. Yeah, but um, I've only just come out of hospital, so I couldn't yeah. go to it. There's some quite good pruning guides on the RHS website. Do you look at websites at all? Yeah, yeah. So if if you go RHS and they've got lots of pruning guides on there, you know, pretty simple, illustrated, cut here, cut there, rather than just a word. We've got about, I suppose, I don't know, about 10 fruit trees at the top of the garden, but they've just been sort of basically left to grow. (laughs) Yeah. Well, basically, if if you're worried about it, all you do is you look for crossing branches damaged branches and if they're crossing across the middle that's what you get rid of what you don't do today is we used to prune across the whole top but basically all we do is now prune to shape and cut out these crossing branches and you won't go and you won't go far wrong no so just remember if it's got a stone in it don't do it we do that after after fruiting if they've got a stone in them you prune them after after fruit okay lovely all right? Yeah, thank you very much. Back to gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on within the garden this week. Uh, Dave, what's the first tip? Well, we've had a bit of rain and a bit of snow, and uh, over winter, generally, if you dig the beds, especially veg beds in the autumn, then the ground can start to compact, so it's quite a good thing to get out there and just loosen that soil up again so you can get some good drainage through, through the ground, um, and it stops it 
getting too competitive and making hard work later. It looks nicer as well, doesn't it's it? It looks fresh, doesn't it? And you can just deal with any of those sort of annual weeds that are just starting to germinate on the top, which often they do. There's lots, actually. Yeah, it's been quite mild in between the cold spells. It's quite warm. Mm. Uh, so how do you do that? I mean, do you use a, like a little border fork or what would you use? It depends on your back, I suppose. That's <laughs> I, true. Yeah, on your, it's easy with a border fork just to go over and, and twist. If you don't want to walk on the beds, then you can use the old garden claw, the three-pronged cultivator, and just draw that through that surface three or four inches, and it'll just stop the crust forming, and it'll upset the weeds. You can always use a hoe as well if you've got a bit of weed growth there. And on those claws, you can get multi-head that have got a really long arm. So if you've got deep beds, That's you can it. actually get to the back. Especially if you're sort of doing this no-dig principle. You're just really just claw. trying to keep the top moving. Ah, so what's your second one then, Dave? Well, if you're going to do that, um, now's a good time to think about getting some food down um, on the beds, certainly the ones that you're going to plant, um, and even the shrub beds that are the plants soon, you know, we're in February and they start thinking about waking up. And a lot of the good granular feeds like bloodfish and bone and grow more and so on will take two to three weeks before they're going to start being available to the plants. So don't wait until you see it and then do it because they're going to get hungry in the meantime. Um, just get it down now. Just work it into the surface or let the rain take it in and they'll be ready for when you're planting. Sounds good to me. Thank you, Dave. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. And we'll go through some of those texts, shall we, Dave, at the moment. Can you please repeat the name of the mosquito that you spoke about? Well, <clears throat> the one that is organic... It's called, I think it's called Acta Bacta. And what it does is it kills, kills, the, uh, kills the moss and also um, puts nutrients back into the soil. Mm-hmm. I think they're using that in some of the premium multi-feeds and lawn weed yeah. killers now. It's, it's a, well, the thing is with all lawn feeds, it's a changing world because yeah. they're trying to do, uh, get nutrients into the, into the soil in a different way completely, aren't they? It's not not as it was, is it? No, it's all microorganisms <laughs> and working on what's in the ground and That's making it. the stuff in the ground work harder to produce nutrients. Yeah, I think the, the sort of the other one, Safe Lawn, which is out there now, which is a, a natural, pet-friendly, child-friendly, and it effectively it, it stalls the moss and feeds the grass, and it, it just means that the, the, the battle grass. is won by the grass and, and it outgrows it. That's what it's about. Um Thank you very much for the, your advice last week on my carrier jabonica, but you didn't make it clear. <laughs> As to returning after it's hard brood, or will I need to replace it? Uh, it's only February, but no sign of anything sprouting <laughs> the earth yet. This is from Victoria. Now, Victoria, I did deal with it, and I do apologise. I agree that what I said is, oh, it will just sprout again, I think. That's yeah, about all I said. Maybe not quite yet. I know. <laughs> Carrier will take its time. It's a bit yeah. earlier. I would think end of this month, beginning of next. She'll start seeing signs. And yeah. this is the lady who has gardener cut her carrier down to the ground a whole lot. But it will come back. It will, and you'll probably find it coming up from underground as, as, well. as well off the it, stems. It does send shoots under yeah, the ground. It does. But interestingly, um, we also have a note from Michael Lee who came in on an email and he said... Uh, thank you for heard you discussing carriers last week. The lady who had it cut down at the ground level that obviously didn't give the right advice to, or not enough advice. Uh, they are saying they have a carrier, and last year after flowering, I trimmed back the top, but since then the top part of the stems have turned brown and look as if they're dead. I presume that I should cut the stems down to the green stem below the brown part. Should I do it now? 
before the leaves come or leave it until after leaves form. Doesn't really matter, does it? Doesn't matter. I mean, um, there's one in, in Mitz's garden, the, the, the good lady, she's topped it and there's a few sort of brown bits. It's just a bit of dieback where they, they come down to the next joint. So it's up to you. You can go out there and tidy it up or you know, do it later or leave it alone. You'll probably find it it'll just grow away. It'll anyway. grow away. So no problem. They are carriers. And if you've got a very large carrier, cut half the stems out um, after flowering. Yep. Tip the others. And yes, they might die back a bit. Uh, but that's how you do it. Carriers and keep them control. And you might have to use a spade on them on the sides <laughs> the to stop them spreading because they will <laughs> they creep out a bit. <gasps> they do indeed, don't they? Let's go now to oh, we're going back to Bishop Stalford. Nice to go back to Bishop Stalford again. This is Ken, isn't it? No, Ron. Ron. Ron, sorry. Yeah. The yeah. line on the yeah. computer cuts the top of your name off and I can't <laughs> see it properly. Ron from Bishop Stalford. We're talking about what we're we talking about? Tr- pruning uh, what prune, tree? Pruning russet apple trees. Oh, russets. Lovely. Yeah. Now, Oh, I have to think. Is russet a tip bearer or a spur bearer? Do you know? I don't know. I think it's a, the I late ones tip. tend to be tipped, don't they? Yeah. Russet's a late so what would you one, like but... to know anyway, Ron? <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it, you know, is it the right time to prune them or is it too right. late? You could, no, it is not too late. You've got all the way through till March, haven't mm-hmm. you? Now, basically, I think, what what advice would you give to someone? Is it an old tree that has been pruned before, Ron? Yeah, and about eight years ago. <laughs> Long time. <laughs> and, and, they are, and they are old trees previous lot, so it's... Uh, yeah, well don't prune too hard then, really. No, I wouldn't go too hard. Um, and just, again, do, do the usual. Cross, damaged, dead, diseased and dying. It's just anything that shouldn't be there, isn't looking healthy. Get it out of the way, because eight years without a prune... There'll probably be some, some odd bits there that don't need to be. And just, just open the plant up so there's a bit of light and air around it and you haven't got branches crossing over or anything that looks like it might have been, you know, had some winds damaged uh, through the winter and just see what comes of it. And then stand back, look at the shape, and if the shape's lopsided, take a bit off to make it yeah. a balanced tree. Does that help you, Ron? Yeah, yeah. And what size would should the, the russets be? I mean, say last year, there was sort of there was just like grapes hanging on. There were so many on the branches they was hanging down, but there was only I would say just smaller than a tennis ball and under. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't have said it's a big apple. It is quite a small apple. But the problem we had last year is no water, hot summer. If you had a lot of fruit on there, that plant was trying to supply lots of apples. So you can always thin out the apple tree, especially if you can reach it when it's been pruned, um, just to reduce the number of apples it's producing and try and get some water to it, you know, once the fruit's forming. But we had a very hot, dry year this year and it did affect things like fruit size and and how big they were. All right, thank you. All right. Does that help you? Yeah, yeah, that's lovely, thanks. And what you will get, if you're going to cut quite a bit out, which it sounds if you might be, in the spring, you'll get lots of little, what we call water shoots, coming mm. off where you've cut perhaps some branches out. Just take those off. As they grow, just cut them off, tie it back to the stem again. I see, yeah. All right? Okay. Be, yeah, thanks very much. One of my favourite apples is a russet. I think it's a lovely apple to eat. Mine's Discovery. You, you like Discovery, <laughs> you see. We all like different apples, and that's Early what's apples. interesting in life. Uh, we go to Val in Wickford. Hello, Val. Good morning, Ken. 
Um, Ken, when you was on the radio, I think it was the week before last, and somebody asked about this mos- organic moss killer, I thought yep. you said it was called Mobacter. Do you know you're right? That's the name I reckon. Oh, it is right. <laughs> yeah, you see, because I, I have to do it all out my head. I don't write any of this down, you see. And <laughs> as time goes, the head doesn't get any better. That's it. Mo Bacta. It is Val, Mo Bacta. Val from Wickford. Thank you very much. Now, <laughs> Thank act, you. Act of, I think Acta Bacta was a thing that you added to compost. compost. <laughs> so you're dead right. It's Mo Bacta. Oh. So I can't remember who we were telling just now. But anyway, it was Mo Bacta. That we yeah. wanted, and it was someone who uh, rang in and wanted that question answered. So, right. Have, so have, that you is used, the... have you used it yourself? No, I haven't. Um, I'm, I intend to this year because because it was so dry and the grass would have died back really badly last year. Mm. Um, I have now got a lot of moss on the lawn that I never used to get any moss on. I think um, I think everybody has. I mean, I think last summer did so much damage that I, I you know, it's difficult to believe how much we got. Mm. Well, it's going to take quite a while to get it right as well. I think. I don't think it's going to be um, very easy. It's not going to just sort of recover very quickly, is it? This no, time. No, I, I think, think those people that that were brave enough to get out there and perhaps overseed in the, in the early autumn to try to thicken the grass back up again probably have done got it right. right this time. Yeah. But most of us have left it to see where it will come back. <laughs> yeah, and then we've got and moss. it hasn't. We've got moss instead, haven't we? No, and I was just in a bit of a panic because yeah. my brother had asked me what, what he could use. He lives in Bracknell. And I said, oh, there's a new organic one out. I said, and I, I will find out. I said, because we have a gardening program every Saturday. <laughs> and, and then I was going to ring you, and then somebody else beat me to it. And... You wasn't sure what it was, and then somebody rang in and said Mo Bacta. So I, I rang him and said, "Oh, it's Mo Bacta," and he said, "Oh, I'm going to tell the lady up the allotments it is." And then when you yeah. said this morning, I think it's called Acta Bacta. I thought, I've "Oh Lord, have I I'll got tell it you wrong?" What, I only have a little scribble pad in front of me, but I've written it down <laughs> this time. I've crossed out Acta and put Mo. Mo. <laughs> it's just below his shopping list. Right. Okay. Oh. Thank you very much. Nice Val, talking thank to you. you both. Thank Bye. you very much. That's Val coming back to me with oh, doing well on mistakes this week, aren't we? That was two. <laughs> anyway, um, right. This is an email from Joyce in Felstead, and perhaps we can give some advice here. I'm no longer to, able to keep my front garden as weed-free as I would like and therefore thinking of having a membrane laid around bushes and plants to eliminate the, word of, the work of weeding. This would then be covered with large gravel, having treated the ground with a weed killer first. Well, yeah, we'll come back to that. <laughs> Is this a reasonable idea or what would you suggest, please? Now, membrane and stone... Yeah. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Unless it's pernicious weed. Yeah, and Thistle make sure dot. that it is a good sized stone because otherwise you'll make a cat litter tray, um, which is never that nice. Not pleasant. Um, and the problem of going around established plants as well is it's in an ideal world, you, you roll it out over a fresh empty bed, get it covered, and plant through it. Trying to go around established plants is you do end up with having to cut it more and lap it you know, over. And you've got areas that you can't quite cover, so you may still get a bit of weed growth in those those spots. Um, the other thing is, I think it was you don't treat ground with weed killer; you no. treat the weeds with weed killer. So what she would be best to do is cultivate the ground and weed it. Yeah. Then leave it. Yeah. Let the weed come. Give it a spray in March, and then treat it with a weed killer, con- which contact yeah. all the weed. 
and then cover then it. Then cover it. Yeah, but I'd say it's it's a bit of a fiddle going around established plants with, with membrane. But if you do it and make sure you just lap it over nicely, yes. don't don't you know don't just leave butt gaps. it up. You don't want anything any gaps or anything like that. And use a, a, a decent sized stone, you know, twenty mil or bigger. Um, otherwise, you, you know, we'll get your local friendly cats coming and visit you. Okay, um, I've got a. Uh, an email, we'll stay on emails for a moment, but don't forget that number to call is 0800 111 with your text. Put Essex on the front, but the phone number 0800, got a line free, 111 Um This is from Kazra in Beamsville, Ontario in Canada. Hope you're well. What do I do with my clematis? Do I prune it or leave it? The flowers are purple. They bloom in late spring, early summer. Could be something like jackmanite. Mm, sounds like large ones. Uh, route and and it does it to it goes on till about midsummer. The vines are starting to look a bit straggly, but I don't know if I can prune it or will I just do harm. <laughs> now, if it was a jackmanite or yeah. an earlyish flowering. You wouldn't cut it now, would you? I would no. cut the front out of it. If it's straggly, just cut the just front. Just tidy it up. Tidy it up. Normally, the large, if it's a large later flowering, that they're flowering on new growth, then you would prune them hard back. If yep. they're flowering on the growth that's already there and it's you know they're, they're flowering off the short stems off of that, then you're just tidying and reducing it a bit. But it's a bit hard and and think you know depends on your. Uh, it's pretty cold where they are, and yeah, we're Ontario will be cold. <laughs> yeah. So I would leave it a month or so, then oh, trim it, trim it lightly. Yeah, enjoy the flower, tidy it up, a then bit. prune it when it's flowered. When it's flowered, when it's finished flowering. I hope that helps you. And I imagine Kazra listens on the iPad. Uh, sorry, on the yeah, a BBC Sounds app. Um, and she's got another question, which is interesting because people don't always know what I'm talking about. And they say, <laughs> I've noticed you mentioned John in his compost. She doesn't know what it is. Um, do they not have it in Canada? Yeah, I thought it was a worldwide so uh, did I. institution. Who is John Innes? He's the guy <laughs> who discovered that you can put together a formula, yeah. a worldwide formula that will always give you enough fertiliser and it's a mix of soil, sterilised soil, yeah. uh, peat and sand. Sand. And it's traditionally, hoof and horn was, was. the uh, fertiliser that was added to it. But it's effectively a recipe that... If you say it's John Ennin's number one, two, or three, then it should always be the same mix wherever, wherever you, you buy it. it from. And remember that the three has got the most fertilizer in it. Yeah. So if you start stuff off in your one, and if you're planting established plants, you plant them in a three. Um, also, gathers the John Ennin's research center. Yes, there yes. is. Yeah. And that still looks into ways of growing things That's and it. soils. John Ennin's Institute. Yeah, John Ennin's Institute. Well, we'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's have a final look at the top tips Dave has for us this week. Well, the snowdrops are flowering or have flowered. Some are still going. Depends on the variety. They do look good. They, they do look nice. And it's sort of it's a sign of things that they come, then you get the early dafts and springs on its way. But things like snowdrops need to be moved and divided and ideally replanted when they're still green. So when they're finished flowering, they look like they've, they've done their job. Before they die down and you're hunting around trying to find the bulbs, lift them up. If you've got some big clumps, divide them and replant them while they're still green. Give them a good drink and perhaps a feed with something with high potash to help build the bulb back up. So by dividing them and moving them around, they'll spread more, won't they? Yeah, they'll never get far um, when you leave them alone. You just get a very dense clump. 
And generally, the bulbs don't bulk up, you know, and regrow to sort of size because they're going to run out of puff. So, yeah, big, dig them up. Don't be too sparing with it and, and plant one here and one there. Plant them in little clumps and give them a chance to, to redevelop again. And what's your next tip then for this week? Well, you've got some hedges out there and it's a good time really now if you want to get in there and regenerate any deciduous hedges, anything that's looking a bit old and tired and prune out some of the old wood and perhaps give them a real good hard prune to get some early season spring growth. Good time to do it now and again, follow it up with some feed so when the plant comes into growth, it's got something to do it with. It's so important, this feeding. I think so often um, in gardens, people don't think of food, do they, at all? No, it's it's often reactive rather than planned. So they're, they're seeing a plant growing and quick, give it a feed, and often they would use a soluble food. Um, which, which by that time, it's not going there anywhere, it, is it? It's a bit too late, and, and it's not always the right thing. It's better to slow and steady, give them the steak and chips rather than the Red Bull, and, and you know things like bone meal grow more are better. Thanks, Dave. Tony says, I've got an Escalonia hedge that is starting to grow over the pavement at the front of my house. I do trim it regularly. Will it be okay to cut it back hard to bring it back to the boundary? What do you what do you reckon, Dave? Yeah, I mean, Escalonias can make a good hedging plant as well. And yeah, I've, seen, I've pruned some heavy yeah, prunings on Escalonia. And they normally do come back from the old wood and you can sort of rebuild them again. I would probably just wait just a little bit, so you don't encourage too much new soft growth before this so cold weather's next gone. Next month, do you yeah, think? Yeah, end of the month, beginning of beginning of March, get to it, prune it back, and you'll find it a shoot away quite quickly. And give it a feed, give it a good a couple of handfuls of grow more or bluffish and bone when you do it, and a water just to give it something to to get away with. That's really important, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, now let's go back to the phones. That number to call is 0800 111 just as uh, Wendy from Braintree has. Hello, Wendy. Oh, hello. Um, yes, I've got a, a white mophead hydrangea that I've had for some years, and um, it's been always been lovely. But last year, um, as the buds were coming, uh, the flower, they went black. Right. And... Um, they didn't come to anything, and it looked a right mess. So I couldn't find any creatures in there, you know, insects mm-hmm. or anything. I didn't know what to do with it this year, you know, whether to cut it right back or... I would I would imagine that there may have been a little bit of um, insect in there. You might not yeah. have seen it because they, they get right. uh, scale insects and things like that. Um, very easily and they, they attach to the stem and where you've got those little flecks on the stem itself anyway they, they pretty much you know if, unless it's a heavy infestation they blend in quite well um, I would say it could also be if it is particularly in a, a bit of a sunny spot we had some really seriously hot sunny days um, and it doesn't have to always be in the sun but when you start getting to 30 35 degrees which we was getting last year that's sometimes mm-hmm. enough to to almost scorch, you know, the soft oh, flower yeah. tips and buds. Um, so I, I don't think you've done it. You, there's anything wrong with the plant or what you've done, and there's probably not much you can do going forwards. Um, apart from just keep an eye on it. It may be worth just giving it a bit of a, a spray just before it comes into growth to make sure, or just as it comes into growth, make sure there's no scale insects or anything overwintering. But you'll probably find it'll be absolutely fine this year. Given that I mean, we have a it does look year. very straggly now. I don't know if I sh- if I cut it back now, it won't bloom, will it? 
I don't know about that. Uh, I, you know, I, I've seen people and I've pruned stuff back and gone, oh, well, I won't have much flower this year, but I just need to sort the plant out. Um, sometimes the, the need to protect the plant is better than the flowers, and they still flower. So I, I wouldn't write off flowering as long as you're not really hard, you know, heavily doing it. If you're tidying it up, tipping it out, any shoots that are, you know, there on the stem now will probably come through and flower, but maybe not quite so much. No. Okay, right. thank you very much. That's a thank pleasure. You. That's Wendy from Braintree, who rang us on 0800 4041. Got a picture came in from Angela Southern, and she says, forgot to include pictures, re-olive trees. But I can't find the email that relates to the olive <laughs> the trees. The might be place. me, might be me, Angela. Uh, but if you can um, link the two together, send me another email about it. There's a black olive, several black olives uh, sitting on your olive tree. They look a good size. Um, I would think they're quite ripe by now because if they've gone through November and you pick them in November, don't you? Yeah. Usually October, November in the Mediterranean. So I would think they look a good size. I can't see whether it's indoor or outdoor. But Angela, if you are, give us a call or send me an email and let me know and we'll sort that one out for you. In the meantime, this goes back to the phones to Helen from Westcliff. Hello, Helen. Oh, good morning. Lovely, lovely to be on this show and it's and I love listening to you all. Good. <laughs> especially the gardening ones. Um, I've got a willow tree in my garden and it's in a fairly big pot, not not too small and it's not too big. So it's in between, it's got a medium-sized pot and it's got no leaves on it. Will it come back? I'm guessing if, if it's a willow tree in a pot, it's probably one of the, the foliage ones like the flamingo or ones like that. Does it have a sort of green and white speckled leaf and pinkish new growth? When it normally grows, um, or is it a weeping one? Is it like a Kilmarnock willow with a catkins Oh, on? it's a weeping one. Yes, right. it's, it's got weep- like pussy willows on it. Pussy willow all the way down the stems. Well, it was really, really small when I bought it. I bought it from a charity shop, and um, <laughs> it was a very small, small. Right, it should do. I mean, they won't have any leaves on now and they won't have any for a little while. Normally the catkins, the little sort of fluffy bits that come from the stem, will show themselves first and they're probably thinking about... Yeah, I haven't had any of that yet. No, they're probably thinking about swelling but not actually coming through. So um, Mm. you're a bit early. Hopefully you'll get some catkins. And normally once, if you've got those, then you know the plant's alive and doing well and the leaves will soon follow. And all you do oh, is right. cut out so dead... When will it start leaves, showing leaves then? March. Yeah, March time. Oh, March. Oh, right. I keep my eye open. <laughs> As I say, I've not had any catkins no, since I got it last year from a, full, a small sapling. Yeah. And so I will get the um, the catkins this year. You if should it, do. If it's a Kilmarnock willow, you, you should do. Anything that was produced last year as growth should have catkins on it this year. All right. Um, and it's a Kamalo. Kilmarnock. 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 Yeah, sounds a bit Scottish, doesn't it? All right. Willow. All right. Okay, then. That's Helen from Westcliff. And we just... Um, I'm going to come back to this because Ellen has said we sound a little confusing. <laughs> so I will read this out. After listening a few minutes ago, I'm confused. I think you said you could use weed killer on soil. So I'm going to answer that. No. What we said is, no, weed killer doesn't work on the soil. It is neutralised when it hits the soil. Then a compost, then put in plants. 
How long after weaker is used should I put new plants in? Right, let's explain. What we were saying was, am I right, Dave? Yes. What we said was, weed it by digging and let the weeds then emerge, then treat those seedling weeds with weed killer. Then you can put a membrane down. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, so that's it. And then you put your stones on. Yeah. And that's the benefit of the modern weed killers is that you don't have to wait, you know, weeks after treating if it goes on the soil before you replant because it does become inert with the ground. And just going on from that, um, we we wanted to say there, it says about putting in new plants with compost. Uh, then a compost, then put in plant. Oh, yes. Yeah. Now, we've earlier on, I don't know whether it was, it wasn't in that same piece. I don't think piece, it was the same, but line, the but same piece. What we'd like to say is that you don't dig a hole, dump the compost in. And then push the plant in. You want to mix the compost, and that could be peat-based compost, garden compost, any organic matter. Mix it with some of the soil that you dig out first. Okay. Right, we go back to the phones, and we are talking to Sheila from Raynham. Uh, hello, Sheila. Hello. We're talking this is hydrangea. My first time of calling. Lovely to talk to you. Really nice. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, my husband has taken cuttings from a large hydrangea that Super. is blocking someone's doorway. All right. Um, he doesn't know what to do with them now. When the frost was coming, he brought them inside, and they all seem to have taken. Right. But he doesn't know when to plant them out, where to plant them out. And what you should do with this big one by the front door. Well, I'm going to first just butt in, Sheila, because I must tell you uh, that the first cutting that I ever took was with my Uncle Purse, who lived in um, Coulsdon in Surrey. And he taught me to take hydrangea cuttings when I was quite a young lad. And I took them in (laughs) sand and I brought them home for my dad. There you go. But they're easy. Are they in sand or soil? That's the first question. Soil. Soil. And the only th- fear could be that normally you'd take them like a hardwood cutting and you'd just put them in and leave them outside, leave them in, you know, all winter and come the spring they're away. By bringing them indoors, you could encourage growth to come from the stems before the roots do. Um, so, so make sure, you know, they've got roots on them before you, you, you move them around. Um, and I would, you know, normally keep them outside in the cold and just let them do it over winter. Ah, uh, these are sort of pride and joy now that they're growing. <laughs> yeah, so you might <laughs> have to just nurse them a bit. Couldn't you harden no, them off? Yeah. Hot, you could They've hot. only just come in the last week or so. Oh, well, that's all right. If they only just come in, they're not going to be any, be any problem. So just keep them outside. Wait until the spring and you're getting some good growth on them. Separate them out. Pop them into either pots or line them out in the ground just to make them a bit bigger. And as far as your one that's blocking your, the door, probably just set to it with your secateurs. You can really hard prune them. You may not get much flower, but at least you'll be able to control the plant and get in the front door. That's right. Okay, thank you for your help. All right. That's a pleasure. That's Sheila from Raynham. And uh, don't forget, you can catch up with this programme with extra tips and information. And that is always available on the BBC Sounds app. Um, Ken and Friend. Hello, Dave. He's Hello. a friend. I've three unopened and unused tomato grow bags left from 2018. Can I use them this year? Love your programme. And that's Valerie in Chelmsford. Well, friend, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'd, I'd probably yes you can use them but not to grow the tomatoes in just use them as, as a soil conditioner in the beds and borders or in your compost heap to help you know bulk that up but you won't be able to really use them for tomatoes again the food's gone it, you, you've got just a soil conditioner and a very quick one from Tony who says he's just bought a piece lily how far back do you cut the dead flowers uh where it comes out of the leaf. That's quite an interesting one because they come yeah, out from come the leaf. out on the stem. So How you, you, you can just remove that stem as low down to to the crown of the plant as you as you can. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this program and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, you have a gardening question for us. Why not give us a call on 0800 4041 and be part of the program? every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11.